0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Open Network User Group Podcast. I'm Mark Tierney, Onug, CTO. People get ready. New cyber threats emerge daily, so preparing for the unknown, sometimes called zero-day attacks, can become a paramount task for enterprises. Anticipating, defending against the unknown, these cyber threats, they require proactive, no procrastination, proactive and multifaceted approach. First and foremost, staying informed about the latest trends, emerging attack vectors, it's all crucial implementing a robust security framework based on zero trust principles can get or help us mitigate the impact of those threats at least that's what my guests say we'll see about that but either way don't procrastinate there's no i in procrastinate oh wait actually there is one i in procrastinate but anyway get ready but first ONUG fall 2023 it's going to be in new york city that's right chelsea industrial event center october 24th and 25th come join the O-Nug global community Tech execs, enterprise architects, infrastructure engineers, cloud providers, thought leaders, people like my guests. And we discuss and demonstrate the tenets of enterprise cloud networking, security, policy. list goes on. Go to onug.net to register for this event today. Use promo code podcast and we'll give you a truckload of savings, 20% discount. You can spend that on, like, I don't know, cyber software. Don't forget to share, like, su- subscribe to this onug podcast. Tell all your friends, tell all your enemies. To start listening to us, okay? Let's get that done. Right. Join me, my regular sidekick, Dr. Thomas Clark, Michael's the co chair of ONA's Cloud Native Security Working Group, musician, my conscience, and he's been leading us through this series we call Cybercrime. We'll be back to Michael a second. Also, join us, Ken Aura, distinguished engineer, architect, cybersecurity at F5, hockey player, warrior poet. I mean, what else does he do? I mean. Ken, what else did I miss? Anything?
1: No, but you didn't mention the fact that Chelsea Piers is right there, and they've got a nice ice rink. So another right. another plug for uh, we uh,
0: didn't we didn't think you
2: knew. We were going to surprise you
0: every time I talk to Ken, and Ken is a regular. Uh, guest on the Illinois podcast i feel like i'm going to learn something new today will be no different we're going to learn all kinds of new cool stuff because um because that's just the guy ken, kind of guy ken is um all right michael so we just recently dropped a, a second episode on the wages of cybercrime and we were talking about what were we talking about this
2: very subject zero day zero trust we thought we might have at zero day first but um ken was available today so that's the way it goes in uh the high uh paced -paced, fast-paced high-action world of cyber crime podcasting apparently so thanks mark yes and uh, welcome everyone to episode three of Onug's new podcast series the wages of cybercrime um first prize goes to whoever knows where I stole that title from. In our last episode, uh, we kicked off an inaugural miniseries, if you will, uh, the aim of which is to describe the current state of the enterprise cyber estate. Specifically, we reviewed the high points or per- more, <laughs> more accurately, the low points regarding the current reality around ransomware. Yes, and how it continues to run rampant among technology consuming enterprises and institutions alike so much so that something approaching 40% of all cyber attacks in the past year have involved ransomware. And so that makes this one of the major themes dominating, still dominating the field of cyber crime today. Today, we are going to continue this conversation further by focusing on perhaps the most prevalent theme, theme, meme, Phrase operating in the cyber world, perhaps ever that of the zero trust phenomenon is specifically how it can be used to mitigate potential nasty effects of that old nemesis of ours, the zero day attack. Somehow I thought that zero day had just gone away when I wasn't paying attention, but that is not true. It is still very much alive and kicking. And we believe, uh, you know, and I was introduced. by our guest, Mr. Aurora, so thank you. He he always does manage to inform and educate. Uh, It can be effectively countered, surprise, surprise, by using an approach uh, involving zero trust. And we first articulated this at the ONUG Dallas conference um, this past May. We've continued it um, through a contribution of Ken's to our ONUG.net cloud native security series of blogs you can find it by going to ONUG.net, going over to the cloud native security blog and searching for not that searching for um, people get ready that's it um and so we're going to bring that forward again today and we're going to start with the welcome again you've been welcome several
1: times now so i hope you're feeling you're feeling ready I'm I'm ready. I'm 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 feeling the love here. It's like I'm I've got imposter syndrome. At yeah,
2: this point. you're you're waiting Uh-oh. for us to shut up. I know. So so we're going to start with topic obvious. That is zero trust. Talk to us about zero trust, Ken, as an idea, as a set of strategies, as a set of principles. Take us through this key piece, fundamental, foundational piece of the equation, and. Um, And we'll get this thing going because we know that you have had the Kool Aid and you know the story about
1: zero trust. Well, yeah, I well, I'm I'm just imagining people listening to this podcast rolling their eyes. Yet another zero trust thing. It's like you know what the main thing, and we've said this is that zero trust is a way to think about security, and it's and a lot of what's there isn't novel. It's just that we we you know it's, it's the latest formulation of of a couple really important principles. Um, the principle is really, I I I boil it down to four things. It's, number one, it's all rooted in identity. Who are you? And it's not just who are you, Michael. It's like what device are you on? Do I have context about what's going on? But know the identity of whatever it is that you're that, that you're interacting with, right? So identity, number one. Number two, least privilege. You know, if I if you were to walk into, let's say, you know, I think we you know we're back to flying around. Fourth of July was a busy travel weekend. You go into the airport. And, you know, you say, you know, I want to go back there and get this flight. Well, they aren't going to let you on. They're going to, they're going to say, hey, where's your, where's your boarding pass? You know, look at the boarding pass. That's the identity part. Now, just because they go, okay, yeah, you're Michael. You've got a boarding pass. You, you know, you get to fly to Maine or wherever it is your, Michael likes flying to, maybe Texas. Um, and they'll say, that's cool. You get to go there. But they're, they're, not, they're not going to let you, like, into the cockpit of the car. They're not going to let you onto the loading docks. It's least privilege. Other basic thing. We do that all the time. It's like, okay, yeah, you are who you are. You get to do certain things based on what you have, who you are, but you don't get to do anything. You don't give you keys to the kingdom. So least privilege. That was two. Three, even if I do that, I'm going to keep watching, right? I mean, uh, you know, TSA has got cameras here. I don't know if you guys have probably flown to Israel. There are cameras everywhere, right? Great Britain. It's Like I can't walk down the street. Now, it's always, you know, observe and assess, right? It's like, okay, yeah, Michael's, Michael's on there, he's got a boarding pass, but why in the world is like, Michael dropping all these little, I don't know, um, red cherry looking things all over all over the place? And how did he get them through security? Maybe you got through, and that's kind of leading to zero day. Maybe there are things they're not looking for that you did. And so that's why you've got to observe and assess. And then, the, and the fourth thing, which, you know, is a longer topic because it all it also causes some eye rolling. But it's assume breach. Assume breach just means don't yeah. assume you're perfect. That's all it really means. It doesn't. You know, it's not anything more profound. It's just like yeah, and you'll screw up occasion. Stuff will get through. Have a, have a plan B. Have a way to deal with that. Don't be don't just assume everything that everything will work perfectly and you'll catch all the threats. So there's four things: identity, yeah. least mm-hmm. privilege, want, you know, observe, assess, assume breach. And and you know,
0: those...
2: go ahead. It's it's nothing. I'm I'm about to say that. Sorry, that I, I thought I caught you at a break point. That um, you know, it feels like motherhood and apple pie, right? I mean, who could ever argue yeah. with all of this? And even and I know people like to argue about the assumed breach thing. Um Mostly people, I think, who haven't been breached like to argue about that, or people who don't know that they've been breached because just about you know the 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 tricky thing, the thing that catches me is you know I. I grew up. I grew up in in this business when um, we we didn't think of those. We actually thought, whether we knew it or not, in the mindset we had the mindset of explicitly trust everybody or implicitly trust everybody. Right, I should say, implicit trust. And and now all we're asking is for people to invert that and make the trust explicitly acknowledged and stated and verified and confirmed and so on and so forth. Right? I mean that's the heart of it. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's at the heart of it. And the why of that is because what's happened, you know, over the last 20 years since you know you and I started in in this world is you know the ecosystem's gotten a lot more complicated. You know, you could you could say, hey I will implicitly trust you if you're on my network. And if the only way you got on the network is to walk in a building past a, guard reader, past a card reader with everybody knowing you and you plugged into the network and that was the only way you were going to get that IP address the only way you are going to get on the network, maybe that was okay. You could argue at least that was a lot closer to being, that, that had a lot fewer uh, threat surfaces against it than today where people bring in their own devices, there's connectivity, your cloud app is connected to six other clouds, there's Edge, there's Colos, all this stuff that was going on. That's why you have to pivot from you have to make a bunch of pivots. One of which is you don't you move from implicit trust to explicit trust. A few other pivots are around zero trust or identity is about, you know, the agent that's interacting, the client, not a network IP. And you know, that's 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 how zero trust is being practiced. This is also lead-in for, you know, a comment you made earlier about, hey, did zero days go away? I think zero days are more common. And the reason is that same complexity. So do zero I. Days, <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. yeah no, you mean, how many people yeah. use image magic here, right? And, and don't even know about right. it, or any one of another, a bunch of foundational, log4j, foundational pieces of software that are just brought in, not even brought in directly, brought in indirectly. Like, you know, you just, you just, you know, your developer says, oh, I need to bring in all these dependencies, they bring all these source code dependencies. I don't even know what they are. I'm not tracking everything that, that you know, Python is bringing in when it imports stuff. Um and so yeah those zero days are are i think a lot more likely to happen and, and in fact, zero in fact
2: if I, if i if i may they they, they um they're now um much to much to everyone's horror they're now combining themselves handily enough with the notion, with with ra- ransomware in certain key cases you know the yeah. the, the the current oh, yeah. hot uh, attack from our, um, what what can I call our friends in Russia these days except not our friends. Um, anyway, we won't, we won't get into that, but um, those folks, um, the Klop c- uh, criminal gang in particular, um, I believe it's called CLOP. I'm not, I'm not sure what that stands for, but it, it uh, you know, they've got this move it um, zero day attack going, which is also a ransomware attack, right? And yeah. the um. um there was another ransomware attack earlier this year where Taiwan Semiconductor um, got hit with a, a zero-day slash ransomware attack where they asked for seventy million dollars. I'm still trying to figure out what happened there because <laughs> Taiwan has been kind of closed mouth about it. Um, so, yeah, I, I I think that's right that people are now why why uh, why limit yourself, right? I mean, if you're going to go to all the trouble of uh, of virusing up the world, why not make it zero day and why not make it uh, ransomware? So yeah, yeah, I was, when Mark first brought this forward last winter, as he will attest, I kind of poo pooed the idea as being some sort of old school concern, right? And um, how wrong I was. Neoculpa, Mark.
0: Yeah, securityintelligence.com reported, and this is a bit old number because the period was um, uh, from 2012 to 2021. And in that ten-year period, forty uh, percent of all the zero-day exploits happened in the final year. In that final year of the study, twenty twenty-one. So um, it's uh, it's it's a problem that's not going away. And I, you know, I think for obvious obvious reasons. I mean, if you're trying to if you're tr- if you're trying to drop an exploit, why, why would you drop an exploit that everybody knows about and uh, find find a yeah. new one?
2: Yeah, and yeah. even and e- even if you've got it set to to ex- blow up on a certain date, you know since you don't know what's coming, right? You know it, it, it's effectively zero day. Back to your um, comment you made, I think in Dallas or around that time when we were getting ready for that, Ken, you would you would use this phrase that I really liked. You know the whole point. Uh, of these characters this is their playbook is to land and then expand so come in north south presumably and expand laterally east 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 west so um so yeah i mean it's it's uh it, it's really it really operates that way and uh whether whether it it takes one day or ten days Oh yeah, I know. I remember the dwell time. I've I've discovered is now. I don't know if you've heard this. It's like nine weeks, the average dwell time for what averages are worth. How, in other In other words, uh, we talked about this yesterday. How much How much time do the bad guys get to spend uh, poking around before they actually, you know, make you aware of it? On average, mm-hmm. nine weeks. That's a long. That's a long time to figure out what you've got going on, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, you you said it's. it's zero days are about like take that take that airport example i started off with right it's about do you look in the rear view mirror about what you've seen before which is very reactive and worth doing right that's sort of table stakes but that's not sufficient it's like if i go into the airport and i have a no-fly list i can check are you on the no-fly list and if you are i probably want to give you you know you don't let you fly or at least I'm gonna give you some more scrutiny and that's great that's sort of what security has a lot of a lot of the security solutions there are like that. I call them the the reactive ones. They're just sort of looking in the rearview mirror, saying, "What have I seen before?" That's not going to help you with the zero days, the new the new people that are coming in that aren't on the new on the no fly list. And you have to do something behavioral. And it doesn't have to be anything. This is not rocket science, right? Let's take ransomware because that is the hot attack of the day. Yeah, you you got the getting a foothold right. Basically, there's multiple steps, right? You get the foothold, then you try to. Dwell and you you recon and you, you get a sense of what's going on in the system and then you then you go off and you actually extract the value if you're the attacker right where's the value it's the ransomware or maybe it's extracting IP if it's if it's some sort of state actor trying to trying to get some interesting uh, information and each of those steps is um, in what right minor will call the, the kill chain anywhere in there I can stop you um, ransomware is the easiest place to stop that the most the, the most straightforward places just when they try to do the encryption of the files that's a behavior pattern i don't care what you know who you are right if, if that's your mo i will catch you you know i doesn't i don't have to lock onto your identity i don't have to lock on to the passport number the driver's license or all these other sort of very signature based sort of things i just lock on the fact how are you acting and if you're doing these sort of things that's and that's a zero day that's that you know if i go back to um that continuously observe and assess, that's exactly what it's about. Yeah. Um, and and you know, for some of the other attacks, yeah, I get the foothold. There's there's a least privilege. I we didn't talk about that, but that's to me the mm-hmm. thing you talked about, getting that first foothold. That's what least privilege is a lot is about. It's yeah, okay, you know, you're you're somebody who wants to come interact with my application, interact with my website. That's all good. But again, you know, there's a lot of these attacks that we've seen have been. Because we haven't locked down, we've assigned too much privilege. People who, yeah. uh, people coming in just, you know, why should I have access to like the Microsoft DD environment on your internal enterprise? And an example of an attack that a real threat that, that somebody exploited.
0: So, so let me jump in here, Ken. You know, you've talked about several things least privilege, a little bit uh, about identity, uh, which I think, you know, obviously tied together. Um, um, maybe some segmentation concepts. I see a lot of this as, uh, you know, very policy, uh, you know, establishing policy, enforcing policy. This last topic you brought up is really um, you know, continuous monitoring, heuristics, analytics. Like uh, it's we say that um, as though it's one thing, but it's so many things, right? Okay. That, I see us needing to be able to um, understand uh, behaviors on on networks, behaviors on file systems, behaviors of users uh, on compute platforms or networks or file systems. Right? Like it, there's a there's a lot to be observing, monitoring, building heuristics around. Um, uh, not on the run sheet, but let's talk about um, uh, if we can. Let's talk about AI's role in this. Um, got an opinion on on uh, what happens to uh, you know to nail that down because humans can't do this, right?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. I, I AI's got machine learning's got a huge role to play, and by that, I do not mean necessarily the current flash of pan of like large language models. They probably yeah. have some role. But, you know, all the traditional AI techniques, the the anomaly detection, the classification stuff, I, mean, I could geek out on this. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, you know, it's the find the needle in a haystack problem. Um, and and totally, uh, that AI has got a huge role to play, but there's a, a here a little plug to the hyper automation team, right? It it all starts with collecting the data. If you don't know, if you haven't got the data, yeah. you can't apply the AI. So. We might focus on that, but that's like, you know, by the time you get to that point, you, you've already done all your homework. Um, and this is why identity and le- identity matters, right? Because identity is what ties all this together. Your AI system, your ML system is putting all this together. Hey, I saw my posture assessment uh, thing over here. Notice this. I was collecting system call information on what this workload was doing and it saw this stuff. And I saw um, maybe um, this IP um, failed authentication at some point. You're putting all that together is what you've got to do but you've got to tie this identity you've got to, you've got to have ways to correlate this just like our friends who have been looking at uh, the APM space have been doing that for performance we just need to do the same thing we're a little further behind because we're a little bit more complex as a problem and we're fragmented but those same ideas
2: and and the continuous word just keeps on coming back coming back coming back and this is as an old operations manager this is this is what I know. People struggle with right in my in my day job. You know, I do due diligence around looking for for folks looking at their the state of their network, the state of their infrastructure. And one of the first things I do is is if it's a um, if it's an AWS environment, you know, I I check the IAM environment and uh, and you know you know the answer. And it's not to beat on um, anybody, but the fact is is that it doesn't matter if it's large, medium, or small enterprises with Big cloud footprints are small. Um, you find all kinds of um, overprivileging going on, and and um, the overprivileging of people who aren't <laughs> not identities that aren't even in the environment anymore. Of course, it's an old one, right? So, yeah, so it's 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 really it's challenging good. from an operational perspective yeah. to keep it up. And there's it's it's exacerbated by the fact that you can't buy one tool. Right. I mean, you could say, well, if you're running on Azure, then you use the Azure tools. If you're running on AWS, you. But that still doesn't get you out of the woods. You know, a lot of people now are doing multi-cloud. But even if they're if they're just doing a single cloud, you know, having there's no such thing as a single policy engine that can that can manage all of this. Um, and so, operationalizing. Uh, Zero Trust is, is, a you know, obviously something that we're looking at long and hard in, in our working group um, at, at ONUG, but it's, um, you know, there's, there's, there's just, where am I going with this? It's, it's
1: sort of like, uh, it's, that, a, it's a huge is, problem. It's, is, it's a huge problem. And, and, in, you know, I, you probably would, will... It, you know, and this is through this was true 20 years ago when people were managing firewall rules, right? It was yeah, how do I keep yeah. them up to date? And you know, whether it's firewall rules, at least you know, just problems just gotten more complicated. And this is another going back to Mark's point, this is another role that I think we can use automation. Like the word AI gets bandied around too much, just let's just call it you know, automation using whatever sort of heuristics or neural nets or whatever we use to automate that. And and you know, it's a reasonable thing to to say, okay, well, let me observe what privileges. Let me, let me apply this to, um, to like a container. Container does certain things. It accesses the network. Maybe it'll open um, east-west connections inside your network. Maybe it'll open uh, outbound connections to the outside world. Maybe it'll access the file system. Maybe it won't. Maybe it'll spawn new processes. These are all things you can talk about as privileges. You could certainly imagine automation that just watches what it does. and says, hey, under normal circumstances, this is what it does, and it builds that policy for you. You don't have to do this because right, it's all about the, the poor human security operators overloaded and you've got to help them out and this is that role for ai and automation um and you're right because it's it's not just about observing afterwards it's also about creating that policy purpose.
2: so you know so as zero day continues and as zero trust is out there is this big kind of um what one of my old managers used to say um is you know a, a lofty set of objectives right that we uh that we have taken on with with zero trust you know how do we how do we make sense of this how how um how do you see the connections between how do you i, I mean let's back up i guess and, and say we're, we're saying that a hey, zero trust is the thing how's that going to help us with something that comes out of the blue the uh, Pentultimate boogeyman and uh, or the ultimate boogeyman and and scares the hell out of us. How are we going to use zero trust to fight zero day?
1: So these principles, right? Apply these principles. Know you know identity. Know who who's talking. Know what they're you know try to try to limit what they can and can't do. Keep watching and have a plan B. right. Those are the four things. I think that okay. Those are principles. There's no one product, but now if I were running an enterprise, I'd say hey. What are the things I'm most worried about? Prioritize. This is not. This is a journey. It's not a. It's not a. Do all this or you have nothing. It's pick the most important stuff. So let's take ransomware as the example, right? We talked about this a, a few minutes ago. If ransomware is a, a big threat, I'm worried about it. it's like, okay, look, let me build just something that's very focused on. If I see some runaway process that's there in there and it looks like it's reading and writing a bunch of files in my file system or going to a bunch of S3 buckets or whatever, I will keep it. I will build something. Whether it's whether I call it as something as simple as a heuristic or whether I call it an AI system, whatever, there's levels of sophistication, but I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna, and that'd be a protection against the threat I'm worried about. If I'm worried about insider threat, right? I might say, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna I'm gonna clamp down on privileges maybe on on, on certain stores. Like right? that's what DLP is about, okay, on data stores. But maybe there are other things that I'm worried about. So um, it starts with. I guess another another implicit principle in there in zero trust is there's no such thing as zero risk. It's about managing risk. And, and so how do I I'm, I'm internalizing your question as, okay, that's great. You know, you guys at Ona, can you give me all these great lofty ideals? but i've got I've got to live in the real world. What do I do? So I say, okay, what are the things that what are the things that you worry about most? What are your crown jewels? And what are the threats you worry about most? And then how do I apply these principles of identity, least privilege, continuous observation and see and breach against those? So I gave the ransomware example. other um, others if I if I'm worried about if I'm worried about um, about getting the foothold what you talked about, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a hard look at the at the privileges that I allow at my front door, and I'm going to in fact do observations. I'm gonna detect anomalies, right? Again use machine learning, detect anomalies in relative to normal data patterns, and use that. As another aside, I think the role of, of, of machine learning and artificial intelligence is really to augment the human, not to replace the human. So right, so the, the it'll flag these things, and, and you still might need a human in loop to kind of make a final judgment.
2: Maybe what people need to understand, uh, you know, at the beginning, if, if they are at the beginning, um, and I su- suspect a lot of folks, even in the enterprise, are at the beginning of their their zero trust journey because even though it's been out there as an idea for a while, um, you know how many people have really implemented it end to end. Again, no no single product, no single platform, um, but they don't have to do it all at once, right? I mean, right. how would you proceed? But I, I know you're a, an architect, and when I was an architect we tried not to think about operational things, but I know you're smart. So Michael, are
0: you asking like what, uh, like if you were providing guidance, would you assign a priority uh, uh, to, to some of these things? Like what to do first, yeah. is that your question?
2: Yeah, sort of like, sort of take us through what a reasonable approach would be to implementing zero trust that's going to, you no, know, not only defend us against zero day, but frankly against anything, that, uh, might be coming so, down the pipe, right?
1: So um, I, I, so can't do not, it all. Yeah, not to beg, not you know, not to not to dodge the question, but it's going to depend on what <laughs> your what your what your enterprise is, what your use cases, and what are the threats. So I gave through, yeah. you know, went through Ansible. But let's let's say that I'm a, a different sort of company. We talked about um, we talked about um, we didn't quite talk about it. we alluded to supply chain attacks. Maybe that's what you're worried about. Maybe your infrastructure you're building. Um, a product or an application or a service that is really just adding a little bit of business value on top of a large say open source or partner ecosystem supply chain of software and services well that's probably one of your big risks so what i might do is okay well first it just enumerate your understand your risk say this is a risk yeah. enumerate say how can i enumerate what i what i'm talking to so that's the observe part start with the observe don't even know what's going on i see this um, this is particularly relevant today. I'm going to talk about, uh, I'm going to highlight API security. It could be your APIs, right. both yeah. inbound APIs. Um, like, you know, there are a lot of organizations that I talk to that they'll say, I don't even know what all the APIs my developer is putting out are. Just can I get an inventory, please? Um, right. And, you know, and do something as trivial as which of them, are there any that aren't protected by Jot tokens? Um, just doing that right and you can you can instrument your code right conversely in this in this hypothetical enterprise I described I might I be, might bar, uh, depending on a lot of partner services I don't even know who's calling what so I've got customers saying again in the API world saying do I even know what outbound API calls my my backend is making out to some other third-party service can you give me visibility into that um, starts with the visibility and and then you might say oh wait a second. I realize that you know my database is opening all these outbound connections. Maybe I want to do something. And again, I go back to my my zero trust mindset. I want to do least privilege. If you're going to open up outbound connections, and I really need to. I at least want to limit that. Right? It's a simple form of hey, you only get to do these sorts of things. And I, I'd go further, circling back around to to zero day. It's because I don't know what the threat's going to be. Right? Somebody could compromise something. So I can either build and I probably will still build something that's very focused like here's the signature of this particular exploit and I can see it right the snort signature or whatever but what I really am going to also be doing is I'm going to just I'm going to a block a lot of the attack before they even happen because I've I've clamped down the privilege and b I'm going to observe them even when I haven't clamped them down if something anomalous is happening and I will I'll be alerted so this is why right I'm looking at behaviors because I'm trying to stop things I haven't seen before. My my hook into that is the behaviors and the activity, not the fingerprint of the actor or the particular attack.
0: Right, right. I'm gonna throw in my hot sports opinion on uh, some things and (laughs) it has to do with something I'm very passionate about and that is policy. And uh, I've I've mentioned it once already. And I would just say that many of these things that, Ken, you've been talking about, are are driven by policy, but sometimes we ask this question: You know, where's this application going? Should you know this database be opened? And you know, what direction or whatever? My my guidance would be when you're having when you're asking these questions, they, they should be done with a very strong bias towards policy management, and to um, do this in conjunction with the uh, um, you know in partnership with Compliance and governance people at your firms, at your organizations, too often, too often, I just the IT groups alone are trying to uh, carry the burden of this by themselves rather than let's partner up rather than just be, you know, it's Michael or me sitting in front of an auditor uh, getting browbeat for something we missed. Be proactive about these uh, these policy uh, and policy management interactions, uh, so you can work together on tools and instrumentation to do that proactive work that you're talking about, right? Yeah. Whether it's AI or you know whatever it is, it doesn't matter really. Right. What matters is is that as an organization, you understand what those things are that need to be defined and enforced. Yeah. Um, and be able to do it with, you know, a velocity, like the velocity of all this stuff is just going to get bigger, you know, faster, faster, and faster, right? Yeah, totally.
1: Yeah. totally. You know, I, I agree. It's like the worst policy in the world is one that nobody will use or maintain. It. And so you got, <laughs> I, and I think that's, and we have to, you know, I, I, so it's all about policy, and I'm going to go one step further, and I think it's got to be about policy that a human this word gets over you. It's another one of these words that causes people to roll their eyes, but it's a reasonable one for now. Um, intent. Your policy has to be about intent, right? Mm-hmm. What are my what are my governance constraints? You know, whether those are things like, you know, geographic uh, compliance things, or whether they are auditability, or whatever they are. What are my constraints? And the nirvana would be a policy that's about the constraints and the the sort of more imperative, this is what this is what I want you to map to in terms of like what a data plane or a control plane does. That gets right. that gets automated, and that's something where you know I you know I, I poo pooed a bit the large language models, but something like a large language model might be the right sort of technology for as a technologist building these solutions. But the high order bit is yeah, it's totally got to be policy, and it's got to be policy that is. I, I I use the word it's um, risk aware, it's risk informed. Um, it's never going to be perfect, but you're going to say these are the risks. This th- this is where I'm only take more risk and less risk. Let me let me make a let me make a let me give a more concrete example. Identity, identity is never a hundred percent. I'm never a hundred percent certain that that's Michael. It might be somebody forged a boarding pass. It might be somebody using a deep fake to come up with a video of Michael right now. I don't know if it's Michael, um, but I but an internal model, even if you don't formalize it this way, is that I have a certain amount of confidence that it's Michael, based on whatever context I have, and I will. My governance says, "Hey, if somebody wants to do you know, different sorts of actions, it's not about yes/no and least privilege. It's about having a certain what level of confidence do you have in the actor? In other words, hey, if Michael wants to ask me what time it is, I don't really care that much. I maybe it's not Michael, doesn't really matter. I only tell a person Michael what time it is." Somebody's asking me to, to pontificate about zero trust. Well, I care a little bit, but I'll probably do that. So if I think it's reasonable, <clears throat> Michael. I do that. Um, somebody says, "Yeah, hey, Michael." And Michael comes to me and says, "Hey, you know, we got a little a little cash crunch here. Can you?" Um, my granddaughter uh, got stuck in Costa Rica. Can you send me some money? I'm going to need a little more confidence. That's really, Michael. and that's the governance thing, Mark. You how I interpret the governance thing you just talked about. I've got to make the policy understand that level of of risk awareness not risk elimination but risk awareness and that's just the identity example
0: i'm still so thinking about we, we, we've, ahead,
2: I, I was just going to say that we we have all of the intellectual tools at our disposal the challenge is 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 human it's not technological as is generally the case right we have to work together, we have to do these things, whether it's in an agile environment, a DevOps environment. So a lot of people are rolling their eyes to a lot of the things that, yes, that we've come out with today. That doesn't mean that they aren't valid, doesn't mean that they don't need to be attended to, right? And so um, I'm, I'm fine with us saying, no, really, really, here's why zero trust matters, and here's how it can, you know, save you from a zero day ransomware attack and a lot of other things. And today, Mark, we just
0: really I, like Collectively, let's just dismiss the eye rolling. I mean, the reality is like, yeah. th- there's no eye rolling in security, right? It's just, <laughs> it's happening. It's happening faster. Yeah, I don't care yeah. if it's old school or not. It's a matter of, you know, do we have the mechanisms to protect ourselves? And are we, uh, you know, are we adapting at the rate at which we need to adapt? And if we're not, then, uh, uh, and it, there's a lot of evidence to support that we're not. Um, You know, based on um, uh, growth of attacks. And uh, then once you tuck your eye rolls away and uh, get on board, right? With uh, the ideas, ideas can be simple and the ideas can be old, but the ideas are important and uh, need to be done. So, and you know, in my experience,
2: experience, in my experience, Mark, the, the way that you eliminate that is by, and this is happening increasingly, taking these groups that used to think that they lived under different uh, regimes, right? the security regime, the operational regime, the network regime, the server regime, these folks have to work together. And increasingly uh, I I do see evidence of a consolidation around security in the operation space. And I think as people confront these things, I would certainly like to think that they're saying, oh yeah, security folks are no longer in, in the best case scenario the clipboard carriers of old i know i'm using an old an old stereotype there but the department of no no, that's that's all out the window it's
0: yeah it's really people don't know what out. clipboards are mike that's that's the problem no one really. yeah that's right my
2: context is perhaps uh it dating yeah. me um, yeah okay.
0: maybe i'll no, dial not... someone up to talk about that <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, you, I mean, ask, I mean, you ask people why. You I,
2: dial that back a bit.
0: <laughs>
1: I was going to say, sorry, you know, you I'm ask sorry. people why are they rolling their eyes? Are they rolling their eyes because you haven't told me how to do it? You just give me platitudes, in which case we have to give them examples. Are you yeah. rolling your eyes yeah. because this problem, you're making them, you know, I don't believe in this problem. And, you know, that's fair. Then yeah. what are the problems that matter and prioritize what yeah. matters? Are you rolling your eyes because of organizational stuff? Like, um, um, you know, there's a whole body of work on something called developer experience um which is about how do you bring these different groups together and there's a lot we can learn from that world um
0: but yeah these are yeah, real problems I, yeah, yeah and and i i you guys both touched on it at the, at the beginning um and it's sometimes it's a matter of of uh, old problems but in increased complex uh, increased complexity right our networks are more complex, our databases are more complex, our compute platforms are more complex. Uh, Oh, and by the way, they're all more distributed, you know, at the same time. So, you know, again, our policies need to adapt in support of that, our monitoring mechanisms need to uh, uh, adapt in support of all that. It's just, it's a moving target, always, always, always. So, um, so get ready. That's what we started with. Um, I appreciate any parting shots, Michael, that you'd like to throw out there.
2: You know, um, I, I, I do think that as I said, we've, we really scratched the surface of this and I wasn't just offering up, you know, some bogus cliche to explain why we haven't somehow magically introduced all the, all the magic dust that is going to solve this problem, but um, folks, this is this is what this is all about. It is, it's an exploration. It's the inevitable, I hope, proverbial journey. And so look to have Ken and folks like Ken um, coming on as we move this series forward, uh, Mark and myself. And uh, uh, we we'd like to I'm, no, I'm opening the door here. We'd like to hear what you all think. So um, we're going to uh, have to this is new. This is a new thing. We're going to have to put together some kind of mechanism for making that happen. And um, Mark, take, save me. Go for it.
0: Yeah, no worries. I, uh, so uh, Ken, thanks for all your input today. It's as always. It's uh, it's invaluable. But uh, the the real way to get involved here is to uh, join the Ona Collaborative. People like uh, Ken Aurora, distinguished uh, uh, architect uh, in cybersecurity at F Five, um, participate in uh, our working groups, Uh, uh, Michael's in particular, again, Michael's the co-chair of the Cloud Native Security Working Group where we spend most of our time on Zero Trust. And uh, uh, Michael's team is about to, uh, actually has already started the process, right, Michael, uh, to create uh, a Zero Trust uh, guideline. And that's really at the direction of the ONUG board. Uh, The ONUG board is really looking forward to it. If you want your voice uh, to be heard. If you want to project your thought leadership uh, in these topics, come join us uh, on the ONUG Collaborative and, uh, and and get your voice out there. And you can come on a podcast with us and blog about it. And uh, we'll just solve these problems um, you know, one, one event at a time. So uh, do that. Go to ONUG.net. You can do it today. Again, tell all your friends and tell all your enemies about the ONUG Podcast. Michael, Ken, thanks for joining me today. Appreciate you guys. Thank Stay you, sir.